I'm here with David Buba. He's the co-founder of Pentree and more recently co-founder of Berry Tree. Absolute honor to have you on the on the cast, David. You know what's funny is the first time I saw your face was almost 10 years ago when you're pitching Tentree on Dragon's Den and Kevin O'Leary shit all over your business. And then you went on to plant 65 million trees with Tentree. And you've got a new goal of planting 1 billion trees with Berry Tree by 2030, which is Absolutely phenomenal. I got lots of questions about that. We've but actually planted 80 million with Tentry. 80? Yeah, yeah we wow. got to update the website. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. So my first question, David, is how are you feeling today? Hell of a lot better now that I'm in this ice tub. Yeah? You're, you're into the cold therapy, right? Oh, love it. Yeah, because you, you live in Deep Cove now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep Cove, North Vancouver. Yeah, and I see the, I see the Instagram post that you guys do in the cold dips in the ocean. Is that something you do a lot? Yeah, you know, it um, got into it about two years ago, living uh, kind of by Lynn Canyon, getting yeah. into the rivers. And there's no better feeling in the world than jumping into the cold, feeling your body come to, come alive. And then for the rest of the day, you're just locked into the zone. You know, your body feels good, your mind feels good. And uh, it's a challenge. If you can do this, everything else feels a little easier every day. What got you into it to start? You know, I saw a Vice documentary of Wim Hof. Yeah. And I saw like the health benefits and I was like, this looks kind of cool. Yeah. And after doing it the first time, I was like, this is super fun. Yeah. And then after that, it became more of like a hobby. Like I liked the challenge, like the way it made me feel afterwards and before getting in mm -hmm. and during. Um, and just another good excuse to get outdoors, Absolutely. whether it's cold out or, or nice out. Yeah. And since then, it's just kind of became a second nature. So this was two years ago when you saw that vice documentary? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and how many times a week would you say you cold plunge now? Maybe three or four. Wow. Yeah, it really depends on uh, whew, on how I'm feeling and uh, the flow of the week and, and that sort of thing. But definitely, I see the benefits from like a mental standpoint, physical standpoint, even sleeping. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way that to wake up first thing in the morning, get down to the river, jump yep. in. Do you seem like you're kind of chilling right now? Is this not tough for you? You know, I feel like I'm just so cold. I can't feel my body. Yeah. So I'm good. I'm, I'm suffering. Yeah. Do you have a record for a cold plunge? Ah, you know, I don't really go to like the extreme. I'll go mm. like 13, 14 minutes in the ocean sometimes. Holy shit. How, um, what time? Like when you do that? Seven, eight degrees. Okay, I find so. if you get your hands out, the heat portals ah. of your body and, and the cold portals are your hands, your feet and your face. Yeah. My hands are hurting right now. Yeah. 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 yeah see, I've done, I've done, I've done six at like, two, three degrees, but some days I just find it way harder than others. Absolutely. This is one of those days. You want to hit the sauna or should we keep no, dude, I'm, So for those of you who are watching and don't know, this is a competition between David and I. And first one to tap is going to lose the competition. You got to get into it. You got to go. It makes you feel, it makes you feel warmer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or you gotta go. Uh, uh, that's a trick. It relaxes your neck. So uh, when you go, when I go in the ocean or the river, I go. Uh, uh, right before. Okay. When I go up to my uh, shoulders. Uh, <laughs> At our brand following and thinking, how engaged is our community? Mm, right. How much impact is the community making? Um, we had this post in 2019 where we, we posted this tree sapling 
and we put double tap to plant the tree. For every 10 likes, we'll plant that a tree. Yeah. This post ended up getting 16 million likes. Holy shit. How many trees? Is that 32, two trees for every like? Was that? Uh, there was one tree for every 10 likes. One tree for every um, 10 likes. Unfortunately, like, just given the, the size and the cost, we, we had a cap of 5 million trees planted. That's a lot of trees still. But it kept, go <laughs> it kept going up, and yeah. it shows we were able to use our community. Uh -huh. to, the, the, the why we exist is trees, and to restore the planet. The how is the community. Absolutely, yeah. And that's a perfect example of our how yeah helping us accelerate where that post was the only brand post i think in the top five posts ever it was like the kardashians no way jay-z and beyonce when they had their baby pentry this, this wow. little brand from canada which is pretty cool that's super um, cool and then and then the what is the product so why is our trees how's our community the what's the product the product's almost like the vehicle for the cause right uh, absolutely, and, and we've even now created other products where if you want to offset your Tiger King addiction or your, or your weekend trip or, or feel good and just, just contribute to planting trees, you can go on our website and buy Climate Plus packages, which allows people to make that impact without getting a, a physical product. But that guy's excited about Climate Plus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, five million trees. That's like a, isn't that like a five million dollar cost to your company? Because it's probably about a dollar a tree, right? Um, if they were planted all in Canada, they'd be more expensive than that, right. um, depending on, on where you're planting yeah. and the integrity of, of the restoration efforts. That's one thing we, as we kind of evolved Tentry, it's so important to invest in high integrity projects where the survivability is high, right. the permanence is high, yeah. and uh, you're focused on those impacts and making sure that what you're investing is actually happening. So actually, I want to get into this um, because you since you're still involved with Tentry, but you've got a new, very interesting project going on called Veritree, which maybe you should explain it because I'm probably going to butcher what What does Veritree do? Absolutely. Um, so in about 2018, we really um, were making substantial investments in restoration. And we'd, we'd make an investment. We'd, we'd get, get an invoice. Hey, thank you for making this, this donation. This is how many trees this, this investment will make. Now, we didn't know or we wouldn't get a confirmation saying if our trees are planted, when our trees are planted, how our trees are planted, and who our trees are planted by. Yeah, that looks pretty good. I might get a little... Yeah, let's do it. We got another reader in here. Let's try to let's finish this conversation and go for a cold tub. So we, we traded Veritree to essentially take data, capture it from the ground, yeah. and also be able to know whose trees are whose in the field yep. by using GPS coordinates, mm -hmm. by using um, on-the-ground data capture, and then linking that to a global restoration map that is then reviewed, verified, tokenized using Cardano blockchain. So that means when you go out to a field, if you invested 10 million uh, trees there, uh -huh. you would know which 10 million are 10 trees versus maybe Samson's trees versus Vega Proteins, which are some brother partners. So now we've used Veritree to validate stuff's getting planted, but most importantly, to measure impact. Mm -hmm. This data is linked to longer-term monitoring technologies, like geospatial, photogrammetry to get biomass, to get carbon. And then we look at the holistic picture, like how, how are our restoration efforts impacting communities from an income standpoint, from a food standpoint, yeah. from a biodiversity, are fish and animals coming back to the areas? So Veritree is able to validate stuff's happening, measure impact, consolidate impact, 
over a number of fragmented projects. So we could have 10 different not-for-profits, yeah. but we're using the same metrics to measure everyone. Then we consolidate it into a nice, easy-to-use dashboard yeah. businesses can use to inspire their workforce, mm -hmm. show off their investors, feel good about making an impact that aligns with their mission and ESG values. Very so cool. now we're making uh, verified restoration accessible to over 150 more companies through Veritree. And you're planting more trees than you ever have. Yeah, at 10 million trees with Veritree in our first six months. Wow. With 10 tree, it took us our first four years to plant that. That's insane. So we're able to scale that impact. So let me just, let me just, I'm interested in the tech. I don't know how involved in the tech you are, but. How, how about we, we cool off? We'll come back and then we can talk a bit more about the, the technology. Cause I'm, I'm sweating in here, man. Let's do it. You sure, you, sure yeah. you want to dump that on your head and get a couple more minutes? I got to get Okay, let's man. It. It's, it's hot. Yeah, yeah. You're actually, you're actually. Bye, my man. Okay. So in the sauna, we were just uh, I was asking about the tech behind Veritree. I know blockchain technology is somehow used to verify trees being planted. Um, are you able to talk us through that while in these cold tubs? Absolutely. So we uh, create created a system where we co-create with not-for-profits the impacts we want to have in an area. We do a baseline assessment. Yeah. So why are there no trees here in the first place? What are the, the indicators? Like, why we're, how do we know if we reforest it? It's not going to be cut down again. And we, we look to be like, what, what are the goals you want to accomplish? Is it a project really focused on carbon sequestration? Is it a project focused on biodiversity? Are we going to be listening to um, the increase in crickets and frogs in the region? Um, is it a project focused on food production, right? So we set out our, our impacts and then we essentially get to work. Mm -hmm. As the work is being done in the field, we've got the cell phones out in the field and pictures are being collected, data is being entered, what type of trees, how far apart, okay. who's planting the trees. So hold up. So you're taking pictures of trees being planted. Yeah, not every tree, but like okay. different pictures throughout the day. Okay. And we're capturing the coordinates. Okay. So so let me let me just ask the question here. So when I go look up on the blockchain ledger that you guys built this blockchain or yeah so as this data is captured yeah it's, it's then submitted yeah our team reviews the data yeah it's verified and then it's tokenized using blockchain okay so I can I can look up the coordinates on the blockchain for a specific region of trees yeah so at, at the end of the day every business that restores the planet with us they have a, a ledger yeah. with all of the coordinates all of the trees, all of the photos and everything. There's certain aspects from that that are published to the public. And for privacy reasons, there's certain things we can't publish because we don't, for safety reasons, we don't want to give away where people are living and certain right. things. Yeah. So that's published to, to, to like the public. Okay. Everything else is um, like protected, but the organizations we work with see this impact. And the reason blockchain is so important is before integrating this component, how do you know one area of trees isn't being sold 15 times over mm. so it allows you to then know every area has one owner oh giving people the um, transparency okay. they need to know where their exact gotcha. impact is so it's almost like a retroactive sale when you're selling trees to a company it's not a retroactive sale because they're saying we want to make an impact yeah but it tracks where their impacts being made yeah. and how we know that it's, it's exclusively their impact. Because before, with Pentry, I'd go to a planting site, 
and I'd know, okay, we invested in 10 million trees. Mm-hmm. Which 10 million out of this field are ours? And you had no idea. No one could tell us. How many trees was in that area? Like hundreds of millions. Okay. Right. So how do we know we actually got our trees planted? Right. If we don't know where they are. Do you think there's a little bit of corruption going on it's, there? It's been a problem in the tree right. planting industry for a while. Yeah. We exist to um, solve that problem, but yeah. also track people's specific impact. Yeah. Let's hit the sauna. Yeah, let's do it. I'm done. Yeah, very tree and the technology behind it. Yeah. So you take you take photos, GPS coordinates, put it on, and we're capturing other data too, like right. income, um, oh, like everything, socioeconomic right. data. As we evolve the um, program, like we want investing in the environment to not be so much in, input focused. People are like, oh, we're going to plant these trees. Great. We want it to be more impact focused. Yeah. What is the outcome, right? So we, we, we capture the input data, but some of that input data, like like wages, for instance, like um, surveys, will this um, project positively impact the cultures that are planting? We, we capture all of that data because if you don't give power to the people, power to the planters, um, how are you essentially to the communities gonna save the world from, from climate change. Right. So it, it, you have to look at the picture holistically. So Veritree looks and measures a number of these impacts mm-hmm. so we can help businesses invest in real impact that's being measured, that's being done, that's being verified. Because a lot of times there's unproductive investments if you just throw money at something but you don't really measure it or yeah. um, evolve it, right? So Yeah. So let's like... Let's like run it through. So like, let's say uh, like you're working on, I, I guess, let's say uh, you're working with a company, a uh, big company, they want to restore, like, maybe, do you have a customer, like a story that you can run us through and how they like chose to help like a certain area and how they got that verified through their tree, like how they measure their events and like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'll use um, one of Tentree's partners. Okay. And, yeah. and Tentree, its own, I could use Tentree as an example because it's built into our DNA. Right. We've created Veritree for Tentree. Okay. But I'll use Sportcheck and Atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. So that's part of the Forzani group, part of the Canadian Tire, Canadian Tire umbrella. Yeah. And they want to make an impact here in, in North America, okay. especially in Canada, because that's where they operate. And when you're um, sport check and atmosphere, well, well, what's important to them? Well, restoring our backyard and allowing people to get outdoors and enjoy it. Whether it's your kids on the soccer field, breathing the, the fresh air and, and being in parks, whether it's um, going on hikes in certain areas. So they came to us and uh, we came to them and we chatted and they're like, we want to invest in sustainability and restoring our planet. What do you recommend? So we've got these great uh, partnerships with not-for-profits all around the world, and we put together a portfolio for them. We said, you know, next year, we can plant a million trees in Canada. Yeah. And and here's what that would look like. We can do some trees up north in BC, Williams Lake. Yeah. We can do some kelp in the Howe Sound Channel. We don't just do forest, we, we, just, we don't just do um, like domestic reforestation, we do um, regenerative agriculture, so regenerating soil. We do sea forestation, kelp, yeah. which helps increase biodiversity. Yeah. And kelp's also a great carbon sink, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we presented them with like a number of projects across a number of different 
not-for-profits. And we said, um, let's make this impact together. So what, what we're doing now is we've coordinated all the projects, all of the impacts. We've signed deals with all of our not-for-profits. We've rolled out our technology in all of these areas. And that technology now will be tracking the work when it's getting done. Okay. As that work is getting done, we're getting all that data yeah. on where their forest is. That data then on their dashboard, it shows up as like, these trees are outstanding. This is what's been invested. This is what's outstanding to be planted. This is what's been planted. Okay. Now imagine if you were sport check your atmosphere and you wanted to make an impact across Canada, you would then have to try to find the best NGOs. So we've got an NGO code of conduct. So we've taken that off of your hands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You would then have to find a way to measure them all. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. To, to consolidate it all, at all. So they've got this dashboard. And then as the Im impact is getting made, all the general ledger, the planting ledger, all the data is being collected, it's getting aggregated together. Yeah. All of this data is then getting reviewed by our team. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at things like how many people were planting, how long did it take, Let's look at the photos. Is everything check out? Um, and then that data then gets tokenized using Cardano blockchain. So just a quick question. Matt. Yeah. When you tokenize something, how big of a plot of land are you tokenizing? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we'll have form submissions anywhere from 2,000 trees to 200,000 trees. Okay. A lot of it depends on the planting session, how many people were out in the field, yeah. um, how long did it take them, um, but every form, every one form that's been submitted is tokenized. Okay. And then that is linked to like um, a head planter. It's linked to somebody from the NGO. Okay. Um, actually, right now, my business partner, Derek Emsley, our CEO, other business partners, Stephen Emsley and Kathy Buckingham, our director of impact, they're all in Kenya right now, um, essentially working in the field, in the mud, in a mangrove estuary where we're restoring a one of the biggest water tables in, in Kenya. Um, so they're out there right now evolving our software and our technology. Um, I probably would have went on the trip, but I, I got the seven month full at home, so I just didn't want to leave the family. So at, at the end of the day, kind of taking it back to our example sport check. This data is then consolidated, and then sport check and atmosphere can use it to get their staff excited about the impact they're making, to get their community excited. Um, and to get consumers excited because the more that that business grows, that means the more will be invested in the planet. Yeah. So how does that, um, what does that data look like to SportCheck? Like SportCheck, it's a dashboard, right? So they go to the dashboard. Do they have one token for their um, effect? Do they, like how many tokens do they have? So the dashboard is consumer facing. It shows all of the areas they're planting, shows all the impacts. Yeah. Now, SportCheck isn't necessarily sitting there saying, woohoo, we got tokens. That's not the point of the tokens. Okay. The point of the tokens is to make sure that in that field, we know what is SportCheck's and what is Atmosphere's, okay. what that impact is. Gotcha. So it's there to eliminate the risk of double counting. Okay. Actually, you know what? Maybe we should get into that. So you mentioned how the tree planting industry had a bit of problems before Barra Tree, and you're trying to solve those problems now. Yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of like um, a lot of people saying, "How do we know when our trees are being planted? How do we know which trees are ours? Mm -hmm. And how do we know if our trees survived and what the positive impact is? Because imagine if you're a tree planter, you get donations yeah. every year that are coming in at different times." 
Yeah. And you're saying, okay, for 80 cents, uh, we can plant a tree. Now, how do you, how do you then effectively report on whose trees were planted, whose trees weren't? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's like a, some people try to excel, but it gets to be pretty messy. So there's no governing like body to, to showcase on a map whose forests or who would prove when stuff's going in the ground. Okay, so let me just get this straight. So if I'm a tree planting company, I have the capacity as a company to plant, let's say, 10 million trees in a year. And then I get donations from company X to do 2 million, company Y to do 3 million. And then I'm just kind of doing a loose zero-sum game as to I got 10 million trees to sell to these people that I'm going to be planting. Um, and then I'm just going to lump all their donations into the same 10 million tree capacity. Is that how that the works? The problem, though, is, is a lot of people that aren't validating and showcasing the work, yeah. they're just taking more donations than they can do. Yeah. So you might make an investment in the, in a tree yeah. that they're like, yeah, it costs 80 cents to plant a tree. But then it might be three years until your tree is planted if your tree ever does get planted because there's, right. no right. there's no follow up. There's no follow up. Make your investment. So I think it's really important to have that transparency. Consumers demand it, businesses demand it. And it's also helping our amazing NGO yeah. partners because no um, partner is trying to, to do something that's not, not right. They want this, so it, it's a great way to co-create yeah. um, with our partners. But, yeah. but the biggest thing is showcasing the positive impact that's being made yeah. from these efforts. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a couple questions about that, but first I just wanted to finish this whole cons um, <laughs> corruption in the tree industry. So like, and I wouldn't say it's like it's it's necessarily corruption. Yeah. I would just say there's a chance or a risk not very well of, of double or triple counting yeah. if there's not like a, a closed loop or like an effective way to manage it. That's gotcha. super transparent for everyone. So I, I'm not saying there's corruption. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, okay. There's, there's room for error if it's not managed in an effective way. Yeah, and that, everything you're saying there about transparency, you need a governing body with transparency. Fuck. Hell, yeah, that was the ice. Let me fix that. <laughs> uh, hopefully it stays on. If it doesn't stay on, I just forget about it. How's the frame, Tom? Like that? Awesome. Okay, so and, yeah. And with regards to like a governing body, it, it doesn't even need to be a governing body, but yeah. it needs to be a transparent way that everyone knows exactly what they're getting for what they're investing in. Yes. Um, whether that be the business, whether that be the consumer, whether that be the tree planter, knowing what their work is for, yeah. for whatever. Okay. So yeah. it, it's it's just essentially having more transparency, visit, visibility, and measurability too, yeah. right? So now I think I'm starting to see why you guys went the blockchain route because it sounds like a blockchain is really good at all those things. Yeah, there's a lot of like hype out there, and like a lot of people saying, "Well, oh, Bitcoin and, and all these throwing around all these big big chains and that sort of thing." Yeah. But this is a great use case example yep. That's what of how blockchain cool. can be used for, for good to really help um, yeah, save the exactly. planet. Yeah, so let me just, one more question about the whole tree industry prior to Blockberry Tree. Um, so you could have like a company who has received donations to plant 100 million trees, but they're only planting 5 million trees per annum. And like nobody's doing anything about that. Is that was that one of the issues? 
Well, I'm not saying that's the case, okay. but there's no way to prove how many were planted gotcha. and how many were planted for which specific company. Okay, cool. Okay, fair enough. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, yeah. So now- and, and there was no, there's no follow-up. You make that donation right. as a business, but if you ask like, when are our trees being planted? Right. It, it quite, quite seldomly would you get a response. Right, okay. Okay, so let's get into the, cause it sounds like you're big on the ability to measure the benefits in you know, the tree tokens, we'll call them. Um, so like, let me just get this straight. So I'm sport shark. Um, I've invested a hundred thousand trees into this plot of land that's been tokenized. And that token, which is on the blockchain chain ledger, has all the information from trees to head tree planter to um, socioeconomic benefit. Is that right? Yeah, so we look at it, it's kind of funny, like tan trees is the neighbor clothing apparel. We, we, Apparel Brand, we've got 10 benefits we measure. And those benefits, some of them will have bigger upside in like a, a site, for instance, in Senegal. In Senegal, we've got this project where we're employing peanut farmers. And peanut farming, if you've ever heard, I'm working so hard that I'm making nothing but peanuts. That comes from peanut farming because season after season, year after year, there's less and less nutrients in the soil. Yeah. And as you go out there to then farm another crop, you make less and less money. So like for instance, in Senegal, one of our first um, planters, his name is Malik. Malik was peanut farming and he made $200 a year peanut farming. And he made $50 the other half the year when it wasn't season and he was hauling stuff in a wheelbarrow. Now we, we approached Malik, we started working with Malik and we said, why don't we plant trees on your land? We will give you money for each tree. Right. The trees oh, will re rejuvenate the soil. Yeah. And then the soil will have more life. Yeah. So then you can actually plant fruits and vegetables in that area, sell the fruits and vegetables, use that to your family. And then, and then Malik, you can be with your family year round. You don't have to leave for six months. Yeah. And Malik is now making $2,500 a year. Wow. Instead of 200 a year, 250 yeah. with the wheelbarrow money. Yeah. So to me, when we look at that project, it's like food yield. So we're increasing food yield, it's income, yeah. and it's soil health because we're rejuvenating yeah. the soil. So we've got our 10 impacts. Not every project's gonna have 10 impacts, right? Um, but we have different projects and they lean into different impacts differently. Mangrove trees will have like a, a great impact on soil. That's one of our 10 impacts, as well as carbon. Car climate's another one of our 10 impacts. Biodiversity is one of our 10 impacts. Oh, interesting. So this is all displayed in the dashboard? For their consumers, for their employees, for their investors. Cool, cool, cool. And it's a verified impact. Yeah. And the 10 impacts really link up to a lot of the UN SDGs. Yeah. Because a lot of times too, if you're just focusing on putting trees in the ground, but you neglect the people aspect. Right. If, you, if you neglect like the other benefits, you might not be thinking with, remember I talked about in the cold tub, the baseline assessment? The baseline assessment is like in this area, what do we want to accomplish? Right. Now, if you don't come in there strategically and think about that, yeah. you might end up with a field of like all of the same tree, no biodiversity, right. maybe some tree species in the area go extinct. Yeah. Maybe the animals don't come back True. because you don't have a biodiverse area. Yeah. So we're taking into account a vera tree, a new wow. standard with 10 impacts that are, are measured and set out using technology. Yeah. And it's also making nature more investable. Like we can get more money invested from businesses yeah. and from consumers and from just more people and put that into nature. Yeah. 
that's how we're going to, that is measurable and real, that's essentially an efficient system to help restore the plant. That's genius. I like never even thought about how complicated, not, not complicated planting trees are, but um, how many different levels of impact there are to planting trees. Like if you plant a hundred trees in Antarctica in the spring, they're going to die in the winter, right? Well, and the trees that were good in areas 20, 30 years ago might not be the right trees today because the climate's changed. Right. So it's all about having the right tree yeah. species in the right area. There's actually some really good like tree, gen um, yeah. tree scientists out there that can identify what tree should be in Russia, what tree should be in Ukraine yeah. based on the, the landscape. So it's really interesting. I bring up that example because um, people have said like, oh, these trees maybe were transplanted from Russia to Ukraine. So yeah. you can actually tra trace back where trees should be and, and yeah. the best species for, for when they should be planted. So like the worldly value, but that means social, environmental, economical value per tree varies very greatly depending on species of tree and area that you're planting. I wouldn't even say value. I would say more impact. impact. Different yeah. trees have different yeah. impacts. Everything's valuable. Um, if you look like... I think it's like two thirds of the world's um, rivers have been dammed. 50% of the coral reef has been destroyed. Um, we've lost a lot of our forests. So it's really impactful for us to approach this holistically and not just have like a carbon tunnel vision where we're just planting one type of tree to capture the most carbon. Right. Because that's, that's going to mess things works. up longer term, right? Absolutely. So, so let's just. Yeah, I need some water, brothers. Can... Yeah, yeah. Here, you got a couple down there. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Help yourself. Yeah, give it a douse too. Here, do you want some ice water? We got some ice water here. Yeah, all right. Okay. So let me just run it back to that peanut farmer situation. So let's say your company that's invested in this peanut farmers area. Yeah. You go to your dashboard. You can see, wow, I got ten out of ten on restoration. Um, like, actually, maybe firstly, can you remember the ten categories off the top of your head? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. What are they? Yeah. I told you I'd have to kill you. <laughs> it's uh um. I'll kind of walk you through like loosely, like what yeah, they just are. Quickly. I don't yeah, think yeah. anybody's going to really. Understand. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we've got climate, which is carbon. Okay. We've got biodiversity, okay. which is like tree. Uh, what's the diversity of tree species as well as animals in the area? Yeah. Um, we've got soil health. Okay. Water health. So what are the water tables like in the so area? That's two. Or one. That, that's two. Okay. Yeah. So that's four. Um, we have income in the areas. Okay, so you're improving some people's income by planting trees. Exactly, gotcha. through employment and uh, through the, even the spin-offs. We had tree yeah. planters, plant trees, take money from planting trees and start their own businesses, which Very is super cool. inspiring. When yeah. you give some like of the most impoverished people in the world a hand up, it's amazing seeing what, what they can do. Cool, yeah. So we're at five, five impacts, right? We've got um, equality. So are the people tree planting in the area representative of the area from a male to female ratio, it doesn't represent as an equal system. Um, we've got, we look at energy. So what we're doing in the area, um, can we help the locals with energy? And the reason that's an impact is high energy prices and low energy in an area is one of the leading in, like, indicators of degradation. So if you can't set up a project with effective uh, means for sustainably harvesting trees for energy or providing solar ovens or different things, um, that's that's a, a, a bad mixture, essentially. Um, then we look at health, health of people. Can planting um, trees improve the health of people? Absolutely, right? Just, if it's an inner city project or oh, there's more more people getting outside, better mental health, much like what you're doing here with the spa. Yeah. You get out, you enjoy nature, you reset. Yeah. Are all these measured by system? Some of them are through technology. Yeah. Some of them are through form submissions. Okay. Now there's other monitoring technologies out there, but they just monitor 
from sitting back at a desk, drinking your Slurpee, looking at satellites. We're in the mud using like blockchain to know whose impact is who, but being in the mud without on the ground verification, it allows us to like do different surveys about the, the socioeconomic um, items, such and as well as food yield. How much food are we getting, right? Yeah. Um, so the impacts. Let me try to think of which ones I covered now because I'm getting that. Yeah, I think that was eight, right? Might have, it might have been eight. Might have been um, ten. I, I lost. No, no, we've got a few more here. Let me think of uh, of where we're at. Um, Once you finish, I think we're gonna finish up in the lounge. Okay. I'm yeah. Feeling, yeah. I'm feeling. Yeah. So we got equality. Oh, culture. We measure culture, oh, culture in the sense, just from another form submission, is what we're doing here authentic and true to the local communities? Right. Just in case a peanut farmer's like, you're rooting my peanut farm. Exactly. Or like if that. it's a hunting and fishing community or, or that sort of thing. So we want to make sure we're not going to an area that's not uh, going to gonna create a good kind of overall. Um, yeah, so I think that's 10. Should we hit the lounge? Oh, yeah. We're in the lounge now. Just came out of the sauna. We went over the 10 impacts, right? I think we well, forgot. we missed oil. Yeah, I think we missed yeah. oil. Um, so that's all cool. Um, I'm curious, um, like, what do you, what do you do with your time now? Like, you know, like, what, what are you working on? Like, what's your role in Dairy Tree and Tentry these days? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so like with Dairy Tree, um, I'm really focused on creating more restorative businesses. Yeah. Like I'm pretty um, excited and proud of like what we've been able to accomplish with the amazing Tentry community. Yeah. Like the by the end of kind of this year and Earth Day next year, we'll have a hundred million trees planted. A hundred million trees. At Tentry. Oh my God. Um, like that forest is almost the size of Puerto Rico when you break it down and look at the tree density and everything. Yeah. So uh, what gets me excited is how do we create more Tentries mm -hmm. with innovative ideas that are true to other brands. Yeah. that companies, that employees, that consumers get excited about. Because if we can help businesses win with restoration, we'll help the planet. So yeah. right now I'm really focused on growing partnerships, yeah. um, trying to take a, a bit of a, a step back and not work so much. Yeah. You asked me the question earlier, are you working more or less now that I, I have a kid? Um, I think it, it depends who, who, uh, who's listening. If it's my wife, I'm working less. If it's my CEO, I'm working more. But, <laughs> but the reality is, is, um, is I'm, I'm, I'm still working quite a bit. Yeah. So I'd like to spend a bit more time with uh, Parker, my little guy. Um, his, yeah. his name actually, uh, Parker means protector of the forest. Oh, really? No and way. What, is that like Greek or? You know, we didn't even know um, the, the origin is actually like a, an old English name. Yeah. And we liked the name Parker, but my wife and I were hiking through Hawaii. Yeah. And this is when she was pregnant. This mm -hmm. was kind of like our baby moon, mm -hmm. our last big trip before, before uh, Parker arrived. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we always liked the name. And then we saw a sign that said Parker means like up in like the, a hike, no pr protector of the forest and garden keeper. That's so cool. So then we, we got talking and we're like, we really like the name, we like the meaning. Yeah. And then I looked back on one of our um, business forms and our first temporary Vancouver office was on Parker Street. No. So it all wow. lined up. So we got Parker now. He uh, and I, I just can't wait to spend more time with him. Um, yeah. Introducing him to the outdoors. That's really then cool. He also reminds me of, of why we're doing this. We're uh -huh. planting trees today. We're restoring soil through regenerative agriculture today. We're restoring the ocean today. Mm -hmm. for a better tomorrow for mm -hmm. that next generation. 
So yeah. I think there's also like a bit more spark as well to like work. So it's just like a trade-off, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so That's I, I think cool. life's all about balance. You know, you, you stay in the cold tub a little too much, yeah. you're gonna gonna get hurt. You stay in the hot tub a little too much, you might pass, or the, the sauna, you might pass yeah. out. So just try to balance everything. It sounds like maybe you're drawing motivation to work from a different place today than you were when you were younger. Is that true? I wouldn't say a different place. I'd say it's a similar, similar place. Um, you, you know, sim same motivation, but you're right. Different place, different place. Before I was like, this is an awesome planet. I want to protect it. I want to enjoy it. I mm -hmm. want to do all these amazing things. And in my back, in the back of my mind, I always thought I want the, the next generation to be able to, to do, to do the, this as well. But now like it's more so I really want to create this planet because it's so much more near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. When you have this like little little being who, when you turn on the windshield wipers, he gets like so excited. <laughs> but it's like, you think of, of how excited like we are when you discover a new river or a new hike or something that's just so cool. Right. I want to make sure that yeah. uh, he can enjoy that. And, and I, I mean, I'm not going to be able to, and our business won't be able to do that ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if we can play a tiny part in that, yeah, everyone, with these tiny actions, if they're all taken, that's when like a big collective impact will be yeah. will be made. So you're really you're protecting that sense of wonderment for the world. Trying to trying trying to, to do my little part, um, the same way everyone has who supported Ten Tree, the yeah. same way our 150 Barrow Tree partners have helped us. Yeah, uh, we're all in this together. We've got to break down silos. Yeah, we've got to share information, um, and we've got to work together. In your career. Have you ever found it hard to like get up and grind? Like, did, I, I'm assuming you worked pretty hard through your 20s. You know, it was almost the opposite in the sense of, for a while there, we, we started the business in uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. And it was a, an amazing place to grow up. Um, our friends and family are there. But in the winters, it also gets pretty damn cold. It gets yeah. to be minus 40 degrees sometimes. And when it's that cold outside, you don't have much to do other than grind. Right. So when we came out to, to Vancouver and set up shop here, we had a bit of this grind culture that was like, if you're not grinding and working like 12 hour days, yeah. like six days a week, you're not, you're not all in. And the reality is, is um, it, it was about four years ago where we really hired a lot of people in our HR department and we said we can't have a grind culture because that's not sustainable. Really? That's not um, going to get us to where we need to be. And if you're, if you can restore your body and your mind yeah. and, and have a life outside of work, you're going to be that much more productive at work. Mm -hmm. um, so we've really tried to walk away from that grind culture. I think we've done a really good job at that. So it was, it was quite the opposite. I, I've heard that a lot. Like you have to take care of yourself to be your best self and therefore operate the best, your best self. But do you genuinely think, like how long were you in that grind culture mode for? Like how many, how many years? I'd say a good seven, a good seven or eight years. Wow. I think like out of the founding group, yeah. some people have got, gotten out of it like earlier than others. Right. Um, but it's a lot of just like what our roles are, what our personalities are. Yeah. And um, I think it's really important because I've never once like, heard someone in their like four, 50s or 60s or 70s or, or laying there on their deathbed being like, I wish I, I, wish I would have grinded more. Yeah. Never no, once heard that. Totally, totally. And it, life goes by so fast. You know what I mean? You know what though? But like, 
do you really think you're you're more productive working like a chill 35 40 hour week than you are working an 80 hour week i think it's all about balance like 35 mm -hmm. to 40 hours come on no just kidding <laughs> um so i think it's about finding that right balance yeah. and what's that right balance for you yeah. everyone has got different uh, ways they like to work and different places they like to work yeah. some people want to be at the office all day um, i would much rather um, work four hours on a Sunday, four mm -hmm. hours on a Saturday, mm -hmm. um, and then eight hours every day. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would find, or, or maybe a, a bit less, but I find yeah. sometimes those four hour days I'm the most productive yeah. because I show up more refreshed. I know on the weekend I'm not getting emails yeah. coming in. Yeah. So I think it's just like each to, each to their own. You know what? So just about this is I actually, I have an opinion on this. So I personally think that if you are somebody that can operate with 90 plus percent efficiency, working 100 hours a week, you're objectively gonna be able to accomplish more than the person who can only work 40 hours a week at 90 plus percent efficiency. The problem is everybody has different, like, different thresholds for what their rate of work to decreasing returns is. So like, some people literally just can't work at 90 plus percent efficiency 100 hours a week but some people can. So I think where the nuance in this discussion around work-life balance is, is it really does come back to finding what works for you. Like some people are gonna be much more effective and productive and live a better life um, working a really concentrated 40 hours a week. They might not be able to accomplish as much who, who can, as somebody who can work with that same intensity for 80 hours a week, but if that person tried to do the 80 hours, they just, some people just can't do that. Like they, they physically, physiology, like their physiology just can't operate to that capacity for that long. Um, so I think that's kind of, that's an important nuance to understand for people is that you really just have to find the balance that works for you and makes you the best. Even if that's not the best in the objective reality of like everybody else. Does that make sense? It does. Do you agree or no? I think the way you're talking about it though is very like siloed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what is your measurement yeah. of success and happiness? Absolutely. So yeah. if you're just looking at like work, yeah, you you and one person's willing to like operate at like a hundred hours a week at like ninety percent efficiency. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Maybe then they're not going to be the best partner. No, I don't Maybe think so. Maybe they're not going to be the yeah. best like brother or sister. Yeah. Maybe they might not um, be as healthy because they're not sleeping as much. Yeah. So I think life's all about balance. Right. Looking at those pillars, it's like, what are your pillars? Is it like um, financial stability? Is it um, um, being healthy and, and, and health and fitness? Is it friends yeah. and family? Um, is it like, so what are those pillars and how do you balance those effectively? Mm -hmm. um, so I think everyone has a different perspective. Like my yeah. brother went to school um, to be an actuary like actuary science it's like uh it took him a long time and then he graduated and he worked for a couple of weeks and, and after investing all this time and money he's like i don't like this so he went back to school and he for like another like 10 or 12 years became a psychiatrist so my brother was pretty much a student for like over 20 years wow and now that he's graduated he i'm like so how, how is it he's like it's amazing i can actually like make a lot of money yeah. so i'm gonna work one and a half two days a week <laughs> I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what are you going to do the other time? He's like, well, I'm going to do what I love. I'm going to play yeah, squash. I'm going to go awesome. running. I'm going to do yeah. chess. He's like, 
if I can do that, why would I work five days a week? I don't have to. So I think it really comes down to what you want to do in the sense of like, what does success look like to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people can hang their hats at the end of like a hundred hour work week and be like, that was an amazing week. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy, so happy with how that week went. Um, But other people might want to hang their hats and be like, I worked as little as possible. I had Mm -hmm. the best week ever. So what does success look like to every person individually? No, I I 100% understand what you're saying. And like uh, to the capacity that I was speaking to before, I did mean um, like capitalistic success. But I definitely understand how um, the success of life is much more than that. And balance and like achieving balance is probably the best for whatever that means for you is probably going to be the best way to just be happy. Um, but yeah, I think it's like two different conversations still. It's like, like this is like this is an analogy. Like, who's the best basketball player in the world? Like, probably going to be Michael Jordan or Kobe or, or somebody like that. And then, but nobody's asking like who lived the best life as a professional basketball player. Like that answer would be totally different. Like, it's probably not going to be Jordan or Kobe. It's probably going to be, like, some other guy. Like, I don't, well, like, Huawei or something. I don't follow basketball. It's probably going to be another professional basketball player who had the most balanced life. So I think they're two separate questions. Like, the most successful basketball player, period. And then there's a question of the most successful life lived as a professional basketball player in the realm of basketball. And then you can take that two, those two separate questions and apply them to the world of, of business. I guess that's kind of what we're pertaining to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do acknowledge that they're, they're separate questions. Um, so yeah, but. Was, it, it's yeah. such an interesting one too, because yeah. if you look at like society and how people recognize other people and like you yeah. look at status and stuff, mm-hmm. imagine if status was just based on some metric of happiness. Yeah. It's like I admire this person because look at like, you know what I mean? Because everyone yeah. looks at like, yeah, totally. It, it's kind of, it, it's... Uh, Nobody cares how happy you are. You know? Well, I mean, like. at the end of the day, like, it's... Uh, and a yeah. lot of times you associate happiness with being the best basketball player in the world uh-huh. or being the best, like, golfer in the world. But, like, yeah. if you look at, like, like for instance, my brother, like, I bet you he'll be pretty happy working one, one day a week. Yeah, um, yeah. But, like, I mean, everyone has their own yeah. desire and what they want to do. You know what? I got an interesting question for you. Not Maybe not a question, just, like, an interesting topic is, like, I like I read a lot of biographies and stuff and like something that I've noticed a lot of really successful uh, people were really bad parents. What do you think about that? I think a you lot seem of like you're a great dad and also very successful. I think um, well, well, thanks. I think yeah. a lot of people, though, that are successful are also amazing parents. You right. just might not hear about it. Right. Okay. Um, there's a lot of like business stories out there. Like this person was yeah. working so much, but this is the kind of what their family life looked like. Yeah. Again, it's all about balance, right? It's okay. like going from the hot to the cold to here. You spend too much time in one area, you might get burnt, burnt right? So, yeah. so you genuinely believe that um, you can be absolutely successful and also live a very strong family life. I mean, it sounds like you're doing it, so. <laughs> I, I think it depends on what success means to you. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And yeah. Um, there's a really hear, good yeah. book, actually, I'd recommend. Um, it's called The Psychology of Money. Okay. And it talks about how money will just some create, there's something about it where goalposts get moved. Someone's okay. like, oh, I, I want to do this. Yeah. And this is what I want from like a, a career, a financial success standpoint. Yeah. They get there. 
And then they're just like, I got to move this goalpost. Mm -hmm. And to the point where they talk in this book about a number of some of the wealthiest people in the world then start insider trading because enough is not enough. And then they end right. up in jail. Right, right. And it's like, it's kind of addicting to, to always be a goalpost mover and always wanting more. Mm. But at what point do you just sit back and say, I have got so many good things, being grateful for what you have, yeah. enjoying what you have. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't, like life flashes by pretty quickly because mm -hmm. you're always chasing that next thing yeah. and you never stop to enjoy what's around you Yeah, yeah, um, I hear, yeah. and the simple things in life. Yeah. I have a question for you. When you were younger, did you ever worry that you weren't working hard enough? Um, no. No. You've always been pretty... You, you, you always felt confident in yourself, I guess. Yeah, like at the end of the day, like I'd always just try to work hard and, and do my, my thing. Mm -hmm. um, when I was 15, I had my first job. Yeah. I was uh, actually shoveled cow manure. Really? Um, yeah. And nice vagina. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was at the exhibi exhibition shoveling shit. And uh, if that didn't make it like bad enough, there were bats wow. above us yeah. that were shitting on us. So it was a pretty shitty first job. Jeez. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think it's also important to love what you do too. Yeah. Um, we still had fun doing that job. Not as yeah. much fun as I had like being a bag boy in the next job at like, at like Sobeys, like the grocery store. <laughs> And then from there, I, I sold TVs, and that was fun because we were, I was working with friends. I was like yeah, talking, yeah. watching football every Sunday. So I think yeah. it's important to like love what you do too. Yeah. So you do love what you do. Absolutely lo love every day. Is there anything you don't like about what you do? I think you're always kind of bad days where like a curveball yeah. comes at you, or um, like maybe right now someone's blowing up my email about something that I'm like, oh, that, this sucks. I have to deal with it. But at the end of the day, if it all comes back to like that higher purpose, yeah, and there's always going to be like 20, 30% of your job you don't like. But if yeah. it's the flip side, if you, if you hate like 75% of your job, probably the then you job. should probably find like something else. Yeah. What are some like big challenges that you've had to overcome? Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good question. Um, your career almost sounds too easy right now. I think COVID <laughs> was a big challenge. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, being a, an omni-channel brand, where uh -huh. Tentree is sold in thousands of retail stores as well as online. When COVID hit us, we weren't able to get paid. We had inventory everywhere in the market. Oh God. We had yeah. to unfortunately make some, some layoffs and uh, of great people. That yeah. was a challenging situation. Right. Um, but I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like we, we did what we had to do to put the business in the right direction. And um, we just kind of used those opportunities to, um, become a better business yeah and you know there's like this this saying um our ceo and, and one of our business partners derek always says it he's like you're never going to hear about someone passing like 50 cars on a racetrack on a sunny day but you can when it's raining right so like in some mm -hmm. of these opportunities it's like how do we essentially like pass competition and become the, the best business we can be out there and hopefully a leader to inspire other businesses uh -huh. to do what we're doing to save the planet yeah very cool. Have you ever like um, flew, flown over like a, a plot of trees that you plant? Like, have you ever seen the trees that you're planting? Well, yeah, through Veritree, right? Yeah, Because yeah, we, right. we do drone mapping. We've got satellite yeah, yeah, imagery. Yeah. It's um, yeah. Going to in the flesh. You ever like walk through one of your forests? Absolutely, That's yeah. That's pretty cool. Right before the pandemic, yeah. I went to Madagascar. Yeah. Um, it was unbelievable. Yeah. The, the people were so happy in this remote village 
yeah. where we there was no cell service. Yeah. There were no TVs. Uh -huh. It was it was very um, it, it was very simple. Everyone was having fun playing soccer, playing, yeah. playing in the ocean. Mm -hmm. I've never seen kids so happy before. Wow. Um, I pull out a, a cell phone to take photos, <laughs> and the when I took photos of myself and, and some of the locals, they they couldn't believe it because they've never seen themselves before. So it's just crazy. Sometimes we just think about our own little world here. Yeah. If you're talking about like the best basketball players in the world. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the world's pretty, pretty big. And I think sometimes people forget that. Right. That's crazy. What was it like? Like, is it, I'm, I'm envisioning like a literal forest. Like, did you walk through an actual forest? So mangroves are trees that are planted in ocean estuaries. And what, what happened in this village is all of these mangrove trees are, are planted and they hold the, the sand and the soil and the mud together. Okay. Now there's fish and there's lobsters and there's sharks and there's alligators and they hang out in these estuaries. Yeah. But the mangrove trees were cut down and the mangrove trees were cut down for building supplies. Okay. So you, okay yeah. For, for charcoal because charcoal yeah. is a big trade. So, oh, um, wow. so you burn it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You take oil and you, you put, you burn and you create charcoal with oil and wood in these yeah. sand pits. Then you can sell that as a source of, of fuel. Yeah. So these forests were decimated. But as you can imagine, there was like 200 people in this fishing village that then wouldn't be able to catch their fish because hmm. the fish weren't there. The biodiversity was no longer there. The fish were further out. Right. So what happened is a few people in the area had boats. And if I own a boat and you're in the village, I'd say, Peter, you can use my boat for fishing and you owe me four fish today hmm. if you just catch one you owe me three now tomorrow you owe me seven fish and what happened is a number of people in this village were indebted to just a few individuals that owned the boats whoa so we started it's like capitalism <laughs> we started um it's definitely not purpose driven but yeah. we one could argue it, it is because they're providing food for other people but at the end of the day it turned it into this modern um form of slavery. So yeah. we started working with our partner in the area, Eden uh, Reforestation, and we started planting mangrove trees there. We employed the locals to plant these trees and the locals could use the proceeds from tree planting to pay off the fish lords is what we call them. We'd show up there and they'd be casting spells on us because witchcraft what? is a big thing. No so way. Um, we what were told, I, I don't know. Oh my God. I, I can't tell you. Hopefully, uh, Nothing happens to me on the way home, but um, that's crazy. And we were told, don't take photos yeah. in this area because there's a lot of witches and whether a witch would take a photo and something would actually happen to a previous guest in the area or not. We were told stories that you don't want to get your photo taken because maybe maybe a witch will try to poison you after taking your photo or maybe things happen, which kind of eerie in this in this area of Madagascar is witchcraft is a real thing. Anyways, that's crazy. <laughs> so when we were there, it was, it was really interesting. Um, we ended up planting over 17 million trees there with, wow. with Ken Tree. Um, and those trees are now bringing the fish back. Yeah. The income has helped pay off the fish lords. Locals wow. are fishing in the area again. Yeah. And locals are actually saving up the money from tree planting. There's been like 10 businesses that we know we've contributed to starting yeah. from the money from tree planting. That's so cool. So to me, that, that, that's capitalism in the way of like people are, are saving up 
Yeah. This lady and her friends started a coffee shop. Every every morning in Madagascar, I got a cup full of coffee. No Half way. of it was sand. Half of it was sand? Yeah, because you're pretty remote, right? I'd eat, <laughs> have my, my coffee in sand. And uh, it was amazing because the efforts from these individuals to restore our planet also helped people create um, businesses. That's so cool. So when, when you think of sustainability, yeah. there's a way that everything can work together to help the planet, to help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, and to restore our Earth. So you essentially created an industry in this town with trees. We created a little microeconomy yeah. where we lifted people out of poverty. We brought the yeah. fish back. Wow. We restored the area. Yeah. We're protecting the area from illegal poaching. Yeah. And it's just a great success story. Maybe you mentioned, how did the fish lords get the boats? There's boats there. Yeah. Um, there's boats people have built. And um, it's about a six to seven hour boat ride from Mahabana to Mahajanga. Okay. Um, so it's pretty remote. We took a helicopter from Mahajanga into Mahabana. Yeah. So pe there's boats, there's a bunch of boats and stuff. Mahajanga, there's like bars, there's like hotels and stuff. Yeah. So some, the boats, there's a lot of boats there. So boats would have been at the village okay, because somebody okay. decided to relocate to yes. a remote fishing village. Somebody got a boat one way or another. Yeah, or the yeah. I guess the fish lords probably weren't upset because they got paid back. Yeah, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, um, they're probably not the happiest with us now because <laughs> they're unable to have people Exploit. indebted to them. Yeah. Because as they were getting more fish, they could go, go and sell those fish too to other people, right? Yeah. So it was just another, uh, another way of a high interest loan, basically. Right, yeah. But it's a loan you have to pay or you can't eat to survive. Yeah. I don't know why that word is so funny, fish lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got photos of the fish lord. No way. Yeah. I'd love to see that, actually. Yeah, hopefully yeah. they don't have any photos of me. Yeah. yeah. Were they scary guys, the fish lords? Uh, just, just locals. Just normal guys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another thing that was interesting is, um, so fish is a premium there. Oh, okay. And lobster is all over the place. Oh, really? So they're like, hey, you want, you want some fish? I'm like, I want lobster. They're like, nope. We're giving you fish because you are our guest. I'm like, I want the lobster. Look at these big lobsters. Wow. But no, fish was what uh, what they would give us because we were their honored guests in the village. That's great. What kind of fish? Um, all sorts of different okay. different types of fish. Yeah. yeah. So lobsters like the mangrove, say? Um, lobsters, crabs. Yeah. Yeah. That's very Another cool. Another cool thing too about Madagascar is there's fruit bats that have started living in a, the forest that we planted. Oh, and they're okay. an endangered species. Yeah. So um, at least we believe it's a forest we planted. We were told that. We didn't have Veritree at the right. time to ver verify. So this is where the problems come. But, okay. but um, yeah. can you imagine that? Some of the trees that were restored in this area uh -huh. are now home to endangered fruit bats. Yeah. We, we crawled through the mud to see these things, and their wings are so big, you yeah. could hear Really? as they were flying past us. I didn't know fruit bats were big. These, these things were, were, were massive and you could hear the noises. Yeah. And what was so cool about it is um, National Geographic was in the Mahajanga airport. Yeah. They were in Madagascar to try to find these endangered fruit bats and they weren't able to find them. Oh. And we heard from our head planter in the area that National Geographic had to leave. And when the head planter was going from Mahajanga to our village, he found out about this. And so National Geographic wasn't even able to locate these remote bats in our area. 
Huh. Sorry, why weren't they able to locate the bats? They just were looking for fruit bats in the region yeah. and um, they couldn't find them. Oh, that's too bad. But at yeah. the end of the day, like we were just lucky enough that our head planters like, check this out. Right. And the timing was off. If, if yeah. they would have been connected with our team, they would have found it. But yeah, they weren't able wow. to. Wow. That's, that's a super cool story, man. Is that, the, is that the kind of stuff that like fires you up to do what you do? Absolutely. And like yeah. bringing some of the technology we've created to the, these remote places in the world. Yeah. Like the first Veritree forms that oh. were, were filled out because there's remote, um, they're very remote areas without internet. So how it would work is you get all your forms captured on phones, but then you'd have to transfer them to this like little orange box we created. Okay. The box would then, like it looked like a little like bomb, believe it or not. We'd go through the airport <laughs> security and they were like, what is that? Why do you have this little thing and 10 drones with you? What are you doing? And 50 cell phones. Um, so going through security was, was a bit of a shit show. So anyways, this data would get transferred to this little box, but then the box had to be transported from, Madaga from Mahabana to Mahajanga to be in Wi-Fi. Then that data was then captured and then transmitted to us. And what was interesting is, is uh, we got a, a Skype call um, in the middle of the night and we're thinking, why are we getting the Skype call from Madagascar? Hmm. And it was one of our local tree planters, the head planter, and he's like, hey, I was making it back to get you the box with every, all the data. And he, and he can't speak English very well and he's communicating with us. And he's like, the boat capsized. And everything was all over the river. No. And we lost all of our goods. We, we lost everything. Oh. But I saved the box. The box was above. I saved the box. No. Don't worry, I got the data. He got We're like, the what? Box. So I was like, wow, how incredible is that? That's so um, cool. So that was one of the first Veritree stories of us getting the data from the field. Yeah. And since then, we've evolved it. We're now using iPads to get the data. Yeah. And um, it's pretty cool just seeing how passionate yeah. The, the locals are in these areas about doing the work and doing it right as well. That's super cool. You ever going to get Starlink out in the field, send the data straight from the field? I mean, that'd be great, right? As stuff evolves, um, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of other like technological advancements yeah. that can help us get better data, get it more quickly, make sure it's more accurate. So really looking forward to seeing how technology can really support people and also support the planet and really empower yeah businesses, consumers, yeah. and locals to restore our planet. That's yeah. really what Veritree is doing. It's, yeah. it's giving power to the people uh -huh. to make an impact. That, I love that. So it sounds like you're genuinely really passionate about restoring and helping the planet um, in a very multi-dimensional way. It's not just about planting a tree. It's about helping the peanut farmers, helping um, lift people out of poverty. Do you have any philosophies on like what the best way to do your mission is like do you think i guess the question is do you think what you're doing is the best way to do it or i guess it's i think i already know the answer what you're going to say i think you're a, a small piece to a large puzzle yeah i'd say there's no best answer right, right? i'd say yeah. there's no best way to do it yeah i'd say there's different methodologies that have mm -hmm. different pros and cons yeah but breaking down the, the silos yeah and sharing openly what we're doing with others and them sharing what they're doing yeah. and that's making this data available and these opportunities available to as many people. Uh -huh. We can break the silos down and work collectively and make sure we're taking care of the people because without people that are happy, that are able to help us restore the planet, 
it's going to be a real challenging uphill battle. Yeah. So I think we're just a small piece of that puzzle. And um, if we can get more people on board, amazing. But yeah. we ourselves haven't done anything. We've yeah. just enabled a lot of people to do their part to try to make saving the planet simple, essentially. Yeah. Do you have opinions on uh, other um, projects like carbon capturing, for example? Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think um, there's a lot of um, great projects out there, whether it's carbon credit projects, whether it's making a donation to a not-for-profit without the verification of the measurability. There's a lot of different things you can do to help restore the planet. You can even mm -hmm. you remember your um, grocery bags more often if, if you do a better job of that or bringing your water bottle around. All these little things add up. And I think they all have a, a place and a, a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're going to see the carbon market evolve quite a bit because yeah. it's very focused on carbon, 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 but yeah. it's not focused on some of those other benefits I mentioned. Yeah, the 10 benefits, yeah. And even just some of those other ones, if you're directly looking at the environment, let's make sure we're looking at biodiversity mm -hmm. so we don't just end up with like a whole bunch of fields that are really good at capturing carbon, yeah. but don't make a home for any type of animals. Yeah. So I think it's really important to look at it holistically. And I think you'll see that market evolve and there'll be maybe biodiversity credits in the future. Maybe there'll be a different type of like integrity from a carbon uh, credit perspective. Um, and there's a lot more like hoops as well because carbon, you can create trade carbon credits, right? Yeah. So when you think about it, it, like there's a number of different steps to make sure they're tradable and, and mm -hmm. to get them certified. So if we're able to offer better transparency for cheaper, where more of the money goes directly into the planet, mm -hmm. amazing. Um, that being said, we also know that a lot of businesses need carbon credits to meet regulatory um, standards. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're all for everything to help the planet. How does carbon credit, capturing carbon, compare to planting trees or mangroves or kelp? Well, they're one of the same thing because you, you can You're get doing the same thing. Like yeah. Carbon yeah. credits can come from tree planting. They can come from carbon capture technology. But like how many trees you have to plant to capture X amount of carbon? Like, is it substantial? It really depends on the latest measurement and yeah. how conservative you want to be. It's hard so to measure. It, it, it's, it's getting better. Okay. There's different ways you can measure it. Okay. You can measure it by like biomass of a tree. Bigger trees capture more carbon. Is that accurate? Um, well, it's not accurate. It's just more, um, it's real. Like yeah. if you protect the big tree, that is more valuable than planting a small tree because mm. the biomass is so much bigger, it's gonna capture so much more carbon. Interesting. So like once that small tree matures, it's gonna be a carbon sucking machine. Yeah. And when you look at like mangroves, for instance, um, I think right now we're saying like one mangrove tree might capture like 0.28 or 0.3 tons of carbon. Um, wow, two, 300 pounds of carbon? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, so when you look at that though, um, one tree here in North America, one might argue with, with one methodology that one tree over the lifetime could capture a ton of carbon. But these okay. things get updated so quickly. We yeah. had a professor come look at our methodology that he helped us create. And he's like, guys, girls, we have to throw this out the window because there's a bunch of new stuff that came out on uh, this. Okay. So I think it also really um, depends on everything's evolving so quickly. Right. That makes sense. Um, and the key is transparency and showing yeah. your work. So right. if you aren't reporting on the exact correct numbers, you at least showcase how you got there so mm -hmm. people understand. That's the key is transparency. Yeah, agreed. Um, what about tree planting technology? Do you deal with that at all? 
Well, I think Vera tree is a tree planting technology. I mean, and, like the actual act of planting the tree. Oh, um, you know, there's there's different groups out there. There's like drone planting where you're planting yeah, trees using drones in like about. forest fire areas. Yeah. Um, I always wait till I pass yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So there's different technologies out there. Um, the, a better person to really dig into that question yeah. would be our like head of impact okay. or our head of supply who's like, we're going to have to plant a few trees just to offset that guy. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I think uh, he'd be better equipped to answer that question. But there's definitely advancements. You see it every day with like different types of planting tools and technology yeah. and that sort of thing. Cool, man. Yeah. That's great. Well, I think that's most of the questions I had. Anything awesome. else you wanted to mention or say, um, talk about? Thanks for having me. I think yeah. like, like Tal Talady Spa is a pretty incredible place. You know, it's, uh, it's awesome here. You've got cold tub, you've uh -huh. got your, your sauna, yeah, you've got this chill you. zone right here. Thank um, you. Highly recommend checking it out if you haven't been here. Thank um, you so much. So, uh, yeah. Thanks again, man. Awesome. Well, yeah, absolute pleasure. I feel like I learned a lot this conversation. I had no idea that planting trees was so much more than planting trees. And you've literally changed cities in Madagascar from it. So that's super cool. Um, yeah, absolutely love what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, it's been an honor. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate right. it. Thank awesome. you, sir. Thank you. <laughs>